Hey there, Captain Roger of the uh, Grass Valley Corps of the Salvation Army. As I record this, it is January 1st of 2023. Welcome aboard, all of you. Hey, grace and peace to each and every one of you. I have a question to start the new year with, and I think it is an important one. What if all this God stuff is true? I, I'm what could be called an intellectual believer. That is, I believe there's a logical justification to believe in God and a rational basis for understanding that Jesus is somehow that very same creator of everything born in human form. I've examined the possibilities. I've calculated potentials. I've examined the cons as well as the pros. Intellectually, rationally, with my mind, I know this all to be true. So why is it, so often in my life, I make choices that reflect a different belief? For example, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we're told, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Which, which is great and all, but is it really what I do? I mean, I could preach this, and I really do try to live it out. But when I think about it, I'm confronted by a, a concern or a challenge or a fear about what comes next. And, and my first thought when that happens is usually anything but peaceful. I've spent my whole life training to take things apart and look for the problems, the, the worst-case scenarios, the inevitable failures. I'm a worrier. I tend to let things gnaw at my soul like rats chewing at a piece of decaying meat. Even though I know in my head and from my own past experiences that this biblical formula of prayer and thankfulness really does bring me great peace, I don't always do it, even though I believe that I should, that we all should. So why don't I? Hmm. How about this little saying from Jesus, from uh, Matthew 7, verse 12? Uh, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Man, that's great, isn't it? No, of course it is. Jesus said it. Uh, but thinking back over my life, based on the evidence, if I'm following this rule, then I would say what I want others to do to me is to make sarcastic comments. It's to ignore my requests until the last possible moment while they work on other things. Or or maybe it's to wish that they were somewhere or someone else so that there wouldn't be so much that needed to be dealt with. At least, that's how I think others might view how I act. My experience has always been that treating others with love and respect, no matter who or what they are, is always better for me. That'll often mean putting down what I'm focused on to focus on those others instead. And I know that that's what God says he wants me to do, so why don't I do that? Hmm. One more. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, 
is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, raka, it was a, a term of contempt. Essentially, it's calling someone a waste of life. The, the same thing with calling someone an idiot or a fool, the way that it says after that. A at the time... People had convinced themselves that if they didn't kill someone's body, it was okay to hate them and kill them with their opinions. Thankfully, no one does that now, huh? Yeah. Aren't we all willing to say nasty things about certain people or groups, even if we don't plan to actually strike them down with our bare hands and watch their blood drip through our fingers? But Jesus says that spiritual murder can be the same thing as physical murder. And I know this is true. I see evidence of that around me in my everyday life. But at the same time, I just know that I'm surrounded by idiots. Except God says I'm not. God says I'm surrounded by his beloved children, even though some of those children make choices or decisions that I don't understand or agree with. And the same is true for you. In fact, a little further down this passage, Jesus adds this. This is uh, verse 47, if you're following along. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, what's going on here? Well, what's going on is Jesus is calling for people who believe in him, who believe in God, to live to a higher standard the standard set by the Creator and lived out by Jesus. So why don't I just do that? I started with the question, what if all this God stuff is true? Because even though my head knowledge and my personal experiences tell me it's true, I still struggle to live it out. If I told you that I believe with everything in me that we must always use the crosswalk to cross the street, but then all you ever saw me do was jaywalk, would you think I really believed what I said? Do I think it's true that we must use the crosswalk if I never use the crosswalk? See, if I don't live up to the standards I claim to be true and necessary, then do I really believe them to be true and necessary? Well, what if I only use the crosswalk sometimes because I'm still learning that it's true that I should? Let's say I narrowly missed getting hit by a truck and that caused me to go all the way to the corner and wait for the light a few times. But I don't see a truck every time I cross, so maybe I start jaywalking more often until another near miss. Might be that I'm working on learning how the rewards of crossing with the light outweigh the risks of jaywalking. Although I, I could be overworking that analogy too. What, what if all this God stuff is true, but what if it really is more like dancing than crossing the street? Has, has everyone here danced with at least someone one time in their life? What happens if you're trying to dance with someone who's out of step with you or, or maybe doing a completely different dance? It just doesn't work, right? You get collisions, smashed feet, and more. Have you ever seen someone crowd surfing? You ever see someone try to crowd surf, but when they jump off the stage, everyone kind of moves away instead of reaching up to grab them? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, yeah that's probably not funny. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, people who dance together professionally, they practice together a lot. 
Because if they don't spend time together working on their routines together, they have these little mishaps where one moves differently than others expect. And they collide or miss or fall. <laughs> what if our relationship with God is like a complex dance routine? It's beautiful when it's well executed, but full of missteps and false starts if it isn't practiced. I think that's really my problem. I know what to do. But I need to practice it until it becomes automatic and smooth. I know that God's peace comes from prayer and thankfulness. I have seen it come when I remember to do it. I need to practice it until it's a habit in my life to pray and remember gratitude instead of worrying and thinking that the worst is coming. I know that treating others the way I wish they would treat me brings me greater peace as well. I also know I could be better about making that my habit. Other people, all other people, are God's beloved children and absolutely not the waste of skin that some of them may appear to be to me. I need to remind myself of that instead of indulging in anger or frustration or anything other than choosing to do what's best for them the way that Jesus asked me to. I need to work on my routines. Now, this is the beginning of a new year, and the beginning of a new year always feels like a clean slate. That's kind of a dumb saying these days. How many people here have ever used a slate? Anyone? Yeah, like me. Uh, time to update that saying, isn't it? All right. So the beginning of the new year always feels like a whiteboard that's just been washed clean. Somehow the clock ticking from 11.59.59 to midnight, it changes our attitudes and we approach the next day hopeful that we will renew ourselves and our lives in the coming year. So if all this God stuff is true, but it's something like a dance that needs to be practiced to live it out as smooth moves instead of starts and fits and face plunges into the crowd, then today... Today can be the first day of our learning a new routine. Are you up for that? I think it's time we meet our dance partner. Flip over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right, so instead of reading walk, we could read dance in its place because this is our dance partner god's spirit so i say dance with the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh so the challenge for us here is learning to follow the lead of the spirit the next couple of verses talk about the conflict that occurs when we both try to lead but if you skip to verse 19 we'll see what happens when we try to dance by ourselves verse 19 the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what what's all this stuff Paul's writing about here in his letter. Uh, these are all expressions of selfishness. 
And where our translation says that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit God's kingdom, the Greek says anyone who practices these kinds of things will not take part in the inheritance God has for his people. Right? If you ignore your dance partner, they're not likely to invite you out to dinner, are they? Those who are angry or have fits of rage or spend time intoxicated, they're not so much fun to be with either. But it's always good when there's a but after something tough like that. But verse 22 starts out, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if we follow the Spirit's lead, these are the moves we will find ourselves sweeping through. And if we do them to a country beat, we could find ourselves two-stepping into the dosy do of love. Yeehaw! Um, I, yeah, sorry. All right, forgive me. I might have said we could find ourselves doing the renegade of peace or been fancy-like forbearance or tried the twerking of self-control, but those all sounded silly. The point, which I probably completely buried in my effort to explain it, is this. If this God stuff is true, and I believe that it is, then I need to practice the things that lead to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control instead of selfishness or self-indulgence. And to do that, I need to follow my partner's lead. In uh, a passage towards the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, we read that because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. If that's true, if God, through Christ, gave us back the lives we had squandered on selfish things and we're starting our lives with a clear whiteboard this morning, what does that mean? It means that there's a clock that's going to ring at 9 o'clock and let me know what time it is by playing a Christmas carol. Happy New Year. Dun, 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 dun. I don't even know if you can hear this or not, but it's really loud here and kind of distracting. So we're going to give it a second to finish. And a happy new year. Yeah. Right. If it's true that God through Christ gave us back these lives that we had squandered and we are starting with a clean whiteboard this morning. What does that mean? What does it mean? Think about this for a moment. Really think about it. If the past is cleared away and you only have this moment forward to live in, what is one thing that will be different for you in the coming year? What's one change you can make to how you live from now on? What is one dance move in particular you want to work on perfecting? You probably don't need to think too hard to come up with one. I suspect most of us thought of something the instant the question was asked. That one thing that you wish for but weren't sure how to start or do. Does everyone have one in mind? You don't have to tell me what it is. That's all right. I just want you to have it in mind. Back when I was part of a mime troupe, 
There's an admission in there, but I will talk about that another time. Back when I was part of a mime troupe, we trained in a dance studio, and it had a giant mirror all along the wall. We could see what it was that we were doing, and we could try to fix it ourselves, but what really helped was when the other members of our team watched and helped us with our moves so that we didn't just look good in the mirror, but we looked good from all around. Now, the church is supposed to be like my old teammates. We, we're here to help with one another's moves and to encourage us as we all practice our God dance. Hopefully my God dance is actually cooler than what I'm doing there. But, you know, if we're going to live as if all this God stuff is true, what will be different for us this year? And this is going to be different for each one of us, I suspect. If you share what you want to get better at, what you want to turn into a habit, the dance move you want to perform smoothly and well every time, we'll pray for you and we'll help however we can along the way. Amen? Now, how does that work? You got to tell people what it is you're working on. And for some of you, that might feel like a confession you may or may not be willing to make. But you know what? The church is supposed to be a body of believers, people who come together to strengthen and encourage one another, not to tear down and condemn one another the way the church so often does. We don't want to do that. We especially don't want to do that here. Our church, our core it's supposed to be about meeting human needs the way Jesus did, without discrimination. That's the Salvation Army mission, for heaven's sake. To meet human needs in the name of Jesus without discrimination. Whatever it is you think you're going through, whatever it is that you are experiencing, whatever it is that you need to get your dance in God in your dance with God in sync share it share it share it with the me share it with the people in our church body share it with the people around us who are working together to try to bring all of us closer to dancing smoothly with God the way the spirit leads us to the way Jesus showed us how to do, right? Right. Let's uh, close our time this morning with a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you that you are our dance partner, that you are willing to practice with us until we get our moves down. Because, God, I, I have no rhythm, and uh, my dancing is sometimes jerky crazy and out of sync and i need you to help me learn how to move smoothly through the things the spirit promises us we can do love joy peace patience gentleness self-control all that stuff help me practice the things i need to practice to grow those things in my life through this coming year. And if anyone else out there is trying to find ways to dance more smoothly with you, Lord, I pray that you will help them. Help them by bringing us together. Help me to reach out to people for the help that I need. Help others reach out to me and to those around us for the help that they need until we are all dancing together in one of those perfectly executed little uh, numbers. 
I know I'm pushing my analogies too far again. God, help us to be with you. That's what matters. Help us to be with you. Help us to be good representatives of you. Help us to live the way Jesus showed us how to live. No excuses, no exceptions. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. And hey, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever it is that's going on, remember you have nothing to fear. Because God's already there. He's with you. He's around you. He's holding you. He's supporting you. He's there for you. Wherever you go, God is there. So you have nothing to fear. Go with God. Grace and peace to each and every one of you this week. See you next time.